0: Hey gang, Rick Lee James here. I just wanted to remind you as we begin today's podcast that my new live album and DVD, Basement Psalms Live, is available at rickleejames.com. You can also get it for a limited time as a digital download at getmopix.com. That's G-E-T-M-O-P-I-X.com. Only $5.99 for the full uncut digital concert. You can watch it right on your mobile device from getmopix.com. Make sure to stop by rickleejames.com for more information on everything pertaining to my ministry, my music, what's going on in my life. Thanks for listening to Voices in My Head podcast, the official podcast of Rick Lee James. Live from Springfield, Ohio, it's Voices
1: in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James.
0: James! (laughs) Rickley James and you're listening to Voices in My Head. If you hear this voice today, do not turn in the way, no. Welcome back to Voices in My Head, episode number seventy-five. This is Rickley James, your host as always, and today we are continuing with part two of our Man of Steel podcast. Interestingly enough, it is the 75th anniversary of The Man of Steel, and today is episode number 75 on Voices in My Head. Last week we had part one, where we started talking about Superman, his history, different things in the movies and in the comic books. And today we're going to get real spoilery, to borrow a word from Matt Anderson. We're going to be talking about The Man of Steel movie, and if you haven't seen it yet... You may want to go out and watch it first before listening to this podcast. But uh, I feel like this is one of the best conversations we've ever had on the show. Even if you're not a comic book guy... Um, I think you, you might enjoy this just from the standpoint of looking to things with a with gospel eyes as I would call them uh looking to things and and searching for Christ in all things and uh this is definitely a movie that has a whole lot of Christ imagery in it so enjoy part 2 of our discussion of Man and Steel with the Sci-Fi Christian podcast Matt Anderson, Ben DeBono are their hosts, and we are doing another joint podcast this week The Voices in My Head Sci Fi Christian Combo. Thanks for listening, and God bless.
2: Uh, we're probably going to say more just general Superman facts, but we need to be able to talk about the movie, so. For the sake of you, the audience, this is your spoiler warning. We are now going to be able to spoil all of Man of Steel. So when we were talking about powers, this is what I was going to get at. He would never used his super breath.
1: I didn't know he had super breath. Yeah, he
2: he can blow and freeze things. And so that never came into play. But, Rick, doesn't he have too many powers?
0: You know that guy has some super breath. I just, you know, it must be the it must be the super lifesavers that he has. But anyway, <laughs> I, singing,
2: um, Rick, you uh, on your I believe your third episode of Voices in My Head, you covered Superman. You talked about his powers, and then you kind of talked about yeah when in regards to uh, patriotism. Yeah. But uh, so, what what powers am I missing here? So he has okay. super breath. He has eye rays. He can fly. Superpower that he super.
0: Some of them are pretty laughable, and I don't know that they've all stuck. But through the years, he's, he's had super ventriloquism, um, <laughs> where, where he could he could throw his voice, you know, like uh, hundreds of miles or whatever to be <laughs> to be able to have somebody hear him talking.
2: Mimic voices too? Is that right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I could mimic voices. Um, he has uh, I forget what it, what kind of memory it's called, but like where you never forget anything.
2: Oh, a yeah. dead uh, super-
0: uh, Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Um, and he he also – one of his powers in some of the storylines is he has a way of uh, rapidly changing his facial muscles so that people, when they look at him – like you talked about the glasses with Clark Kent – he can actually change his features so that when they're looking at him they're not seeing the same exact features because he's moving his face so rapidly and the facial muscles muscles that he can control so uh he actually does apparently have the power to make himself look differently than when he's Clark Kent than when he's actually Superman so they need to even though that's kind of a dumb explanation they yeah. need
1: to promote that because it's better than just nobody's smart enough to figure it out i kind yeah. of agree
2: that's lame but not as lame as i'm gonna put some glasses on and no one's gonna know who i am
0: yeah, yeah exactly and uh it's uh, i can't even think of some of the other powers that he's had through the year you know definitely the the one that's in the superman 2 where he kisses lois and makes her forget was never one Um uh, but yeah, did, don't get it, it, that that's if you get a chance to <laughs> you know, he, he tells her his identity
2: and then kisses her and for and somehow she forgets. And then in the fourth movie, he tells her his identity and I don't even know if he. I don't. He didn't kiss her. I don't think he did anything. Yeah, he thing. does. He
0: he he kisses her again. Like and it, and it kind of raises this question: Is like this poor woman? Is he just like constantly like going in <laughs> and tearing things out of her memory? And you know, yeah. it's no wonder that Margot Kidder went insane later on. You know.
2: <laughs> uh, oh wait, so, that is how she got pregnant in Superman Returns.
0: Yeah, I guess. so. Oh my gosh! What a <laughs> it's crazy. Like
2: super roofie power, exactly. <laughs> like,
0: well, <laughs> so um, there yeah, there have been some know. pretty far out ones there but of course he, he has
2: any sort of yeah. telekinesis um I,
0: I think in in some versions of it he's had that i think that it's a power that maybe went away but um yeah Lots it's of- for a while there it was kind of like whatever power he needed especially in the films like i don't know what it was in superman 2 when he's pulling like s-shaped cellophane off his chest to wrap you know uh the villains in it was it was weird you know i might have to go watch that because that
1: sounds really messed up
2: yeah uh yeah superman 4 i know we mentioned this on that previous show but he just stares at the great wall of china which has been destroyed (laughs) and by i i don't know if there are beams that came out of his eyes or what but he was somehow able to rebuild the wall yeah just using i think just using his mind
1: yeah or the other part of of. The first Superman movie that I can't stand: fly around the world backwards a few times yeah, and turn that, back time. That is not possible. Terrible,
0: <laughs> terrible plot point. Yeah.
1: Okay, I, I think he would have actually. If you think about the science of that, he probably would have killed everyone. <laughs> I mean, would that cause some massive ecological disaster or something to reverse the rotation of the Earth?
0: Yeah, <laughs> it can't I be, think can't be good.
1: In the
2: Man of Steel, I thought they did the eye lasers really well. Yes.
0: Yeah. Th- they weren't really like lasers. It was almost like I don't even know how to describe it. But I, I hats off, my hats off to Zack Snyder because I I do think he's an amazing visual effects guy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, he he really does do that part well. I feel like he needs to let somebody else like carry the story, but but let him do that stuff because it was really amazing to see. A lot of that film was just it was beautifully done. I thought. So, so both Matt and I gave it four and a half stars
1: out of five i think i'd probably be maybe a little closer to four as i thought oh, of her more
2: i kind of agree it, it's lightened a little bit i think i just left the theater really yeah. excited about it but i still like it i'm interested to yeah. see it again but today i told a friend i'll just i'll probably get it on blu-ray and watch it then i'm not right. i don't need to go see in the theater again but
1: so four four and a half stars i don't
2: want to take anything away from it great yeah. film. what I, would you
0: what I would, would you- I, I would lie. be right there with you probably in that four and a half. Um, I saw it twice this weekend on, on Father's Day. I got to go out again and see it. Saw it in 3D. Do not recommend that. I only went because it was the only one they had tickets left for. Uh, it does not add anything. The, the only part I think was in 3D was the credits at the end. Um, so <laughs> it was wow. like crazy. The only benefit you have from three d with that movie is you get a headache, so uh that's uh, a a bonus but um yeah, I'd say probably a very you know mid to high four uh but I do have a list of probably equally as long pros and cons for this film actually get okay, wait wait is so- that a
1: countdown? Should we do the countdown music? I don't.
0: I don't know if I have them in order. You can if you want. We can They're try that. So <laughs> but uh, and order.
2: all right. Well, you heard it here, folks. We are about to do the sci-fi Christian countdown.
1: Welcome to the Sci-Fi Christian Countdown on the Sci-Fi Christian, a little redundant. featuring Rick Lee James.
0: <laughs> All right. How many do you have? Uh, let's What's... see. I got like one, two, three. I didn't number them or anything. Uh, three, oh. four, five. I got like, I think, around seven or eight of them. So uh,
1: Eight.
0: Okay, my my number eight doesn't actually have to do what's in the movie, but I wanted to to say this because I find this very interesting culturally right now because of this film. Um, we we always hear that in comics there's a problem with you know exploitation of women and uh, kind of the way that you know we're just they just draw them to look at their bodies or whatever and and you know basically the equivalent of a, a female superhero would wear like lingerie to fight crime in you know and um, it's been Wait, how- int- isn't that true? <laughs> I mean, that's that's what I would be more comfortable in, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I found it very in fact, interesting. Matt is wearing lingerie right now. I <laughs> oh, like boy. to be on podcast. Yes. I'm really glad I'm on Skype. I have to say. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, right. but the, it's an interesting criticism for me of kind of our culture right now because I've always kind of been one that I, you know, I I do want to say I I, I agree with that assessment of. Um, over sexualizing things but it's been interesting to me it's kind of like I want to say shame on women right now <laughs> uh, because I've I've been kind of a a fan of Henry Cavill for several years um, I, I thought the character he played on the Tudors as it as it developed from being a, a person that was just completely a bag to a person that you know, almost had this, uh, you know, Christian transformation by the end to where he, he had become very selfless and was, you know, seeing, um, all that went well, on. I mean, he's this, he's an amazing actor. He really is. And, uh, I saw a, an interview with Henry Cavill, and I think it was the Katie, it was the Katie Kirk show. I'd watched it online and it was like, everything that every woman on the show would say about him: oh he's just so cute oh he's so sexy oh he's so handsome he's so he looks so good just like and and it was like they didn't even ask him like really good questions about the acting because i thought he did a great job acting in the film and all i'm hearing you know in the media from from women is almost like the thing if guys were to say this you know like oh he's so hot look at that body um it's like Okay, I think there's a double standard going on here because some of these ladies are being pretty vile, <laughs> you know? And, uh, so that's kind of like my con culturally about this is, is yes, there is an over uh, uh, objectifying of women. And I think in turn it's happening with him in this film and we're not giving his performance a fair shake. Um, he, he looked absolutely embarrassed on that show like he maybe wanted to leave because all they were doing was just talking about his physical aspects and not looking at the characters. So I don't know right. if you guys had made that observation or not, but I, I haven't, but I completely agree with it. Yeah. Uh, now goes the
1: problem isn't just objectification of women or objectification of men. It's over sexualization in our culture at large.
0: Yeah, definitely. And,
1: uh, uh, quick so... side note for you, Rick. I don't know if you knew this, but I was pulling up Henry Cavill's, uh, wikipedia pages you were talking did you know that in the 2009 woody allen movie whatever works he played a character named randy lee
0: james that's my dad's name that's crazy
1: (laughs) (laughs) he played your dad (laughs) so there's one more reason for you to like him
0: i did not know that but man uh i my dad will be thrilled to know that henry cavill played him so that's great (laughs) okay well i'll move to my Number seven. Seven? Number seven. Okay. Uh, Why did Clark keep revealing himself to everyone? Uh, (laughs) That was my main thing. Whether whether it was the priest or, you know, obviously the school bus thing uh, was one. There's only so much you can do as a young man. But it just seemed like, you know, the police bring Lois out to the Kent Farm to see Superman. You know, to me, it's like the entire town of Smallville knows who Superman is. I think that
2: this is a really fair question, but I actually liked it. Because I don't know – it's not easy to hide your identity. And that's why I thought – especially if you're Superman, I'm saying – that's why I was sort of hoping, like Ben, they wouldn't go down the mild manner Clark Kent route. I mean, I liked how uh, Lois Lane figured out almost immediately just through good research who he was. I mean, there was a little bit of a leap of how she got all the way to Smallville. But still, okay, let's just set that aside. So that was interesting. She knew who he was. Uh, Yeah, you're right. The police brought her to his mom's house. Everybody's going to know who Superman's mom is. Uh, I don't I think, in fact, the thing that's harder to believe is that he could get a job as Clark Kent at this point. Yeah, people should know who he
1: is. I I completely agree with you, Matt, until the final scene where we see him going back into the Clark Kent persona. And then that made. Because uh, I was actually happy no. that they were ditching that. No, th- I'm saying that's why. Yeah, 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 yeah. But to me, that makes uh, this no longer a positive element. It makes it a negative element because now it's inconsistent oh, with yeah. the film. Well, exactly.
2: That's what <laughs> it, it's exactly what I just said. I yeah, said, you said you liked it. No, what I did. I mm-hmm. liked that they. I like that they made his identity obvious, Okay, and I wish that they had not had the oh, scene at the in end. in that was... case, Matt is right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, Are you ready uh, for my next one here? Number, uh,
1: number six. Number six.
0: Um, why did the Daily Planet get all their news from CNN? Um,
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that, but that's a good
0: point. All all, all of the newspapers I, are closing. It was yeah. like it was like, what's going on? So the Daily Planet all rushes to the television to see like what CNN that's, is saying about everything. Yeah. And I'm always thinking like, shouldn't they be the ones like covering this if they're that's, that's, that's awesome. awesome. <laughs> so, um it's no wonder that newspapers are going the way of the dinosaur. Well, if
1: that's well, just, like... men are just sitting there around <laughs> the T V while the <laughs> biggest story in human history it's, is I'm,
0: taking place. I was just I'm waiting for the special Feature to come out? Were they waiting to hear John Stewart's uh, take on it on the Daily yeah. Show? You know, to find out later. <laughs> so,
2: um,
0: okay, <laughs> what, what's the next one here? Number uh, five. Um, let's see. What what would I say is number five? Um, why was there a convenient keyhole in Lois's jail cell for her to use that uh, the little device that she got from Clark?
2: Yeah, I don't yeah. know. I I get <laughs> that that little key unlocks. Jor-El, and then he's able to kind of be an AI and walk around, and that's cool. But I don't get <laughs> what – because it, <laughs> I don't really get what they're for. Like why are why are they everywhere on the ships? Do you guys get that? I think it was – I kind
1: of thought of it as a uh, Kryptonian USB port.
0: I, I sort of thought that too, but I just thought it was a very convenient plot point. Like she's in this room where literally there's nothing but that in this room. <laughs> you know? And, it's I like, agree. and she kind of do- – she kind of looks all around the room like like she's like, where am I? And then she sees this. Oh, this is convenient. Let's go drop this in the USB port. <laughs> so, hey, Let's take
2: this moment to say how awesome Russell Crowe was in this movie. He was great.
0: He did do a very good job. Yeah, I had to say that.
2: Uh, before you continue with number four, were there any other actors that stood out to you?
0: You know, I, I thought they all did a really good job. Um, believe it or not, I, I, I kind of didn't care for the guy playing Zod too much. That's, I mean, I that's thought he was – I thought he was okay, but I I really didn't think like he was gonna be a a memorable villain. But I've never been a big fan of Zod anyway. So um, you know what I
1: thought, Rick? Honestly, um, this movie didn't need a villain. <laughs> it really yeah. did. Because uh, I, I don't know what you thought. I know we're going through your negative list, so I don't I don't want to preempt you. But for me, uh, the third act when we get into all the save the world stuff was by far the weakest part of the movie. Yeah. And I know you gotta do something to make it a, a satisfying story, mm-hmm. but it almost didn't need a villain at all. Yeah. And that just became more of a distraction than anything else. All right,
2: if we're if we're talking about Zod, let me say this. Uh and some of this we've said on our Man of Steel video review, but uh, for just for the sake of talking through it, I thought Zod was awesome. Not necessarily the actor, although I didn't mind the actor, but I love it when a villain isn't just evil for evil's sake. And so he had a mission. He said he was born, you know, I like how they, they added into Krypton's history that they genetically engineered children. I'd never heard that before. I think that might be possibly original to this movie. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rick.
0: I honestly can't remember. I, I get really bored in the comic when we start going to Krypton. So I. <laughs> so, <laughs>
2: it's... so Zod was genetically engineered then to uh, be the protector of Krypton, and he loses Krypton. and So now he has a chance to make things right. His motivation is actually in a way good he's not evil which i really like he's, um
0: he sees himself as the good guy and i i did enjoy like the fight scene with him for the most part and i i thought finally we got to see what superman can do but i i do kind of agree with you too i felt like that was almost you know uh, kind of a secondary pl- plot yeah. for me. but so um, number four number four let's see um why was lois the only human that got rescued by superman Uh, because it seemed like 9 11 was happening like 17 times in the city buildings are collapsing people are i'm sure dying by the thousands if not the hundreds of thousands in the city and yet um that part was the part of the character i didn't like because it seemed like even in smallville you know the the planes start flying in and you know he just kind of jumps out of the way of the bullets while the whole town gets blown to bits you know to bits ah. and uh, people are like they lock themselves in their stores so apparently the whole like downtown city of Smallville, everybody died, you know. Um, so, uh, But but Lois conveniently gets caught whenever she's falling from anywhere. So it's it's kind of like, okay, why is she the only human that has favor in God's eyes? <laughs> you
1: know? that, that forced her too much back into the damsel in distress role, I thought. Yeah. So Plus,
0: uh, why was she on
2: that plane at the end? If her, exactly. Because if, if at first we saw it, and it was weird, and then it looked like maybe she was going to ha- help Dr. Hamilton – with the uh, machine that they had, but all the only she could have easily said, "Hey, there's going to be something shaped like this. Just put it inside and then...
1: look for the Krypton USB port." Yeah, right. so,
2: so there was no reason for her to be on a military plane in that scene. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. Uh, although I will say, in the second time watching it, I understood it more because Russell Crowe. I I kind of missed it the first time, but Russell Crowe was saying, "I'll tell you how to stop him," and then we don't hear him ever tell her. So when she goes back to Earth, she's the only one that knows how to do it. So, like in the so second, in the second instruction step, one, ex- it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, don't be there when it blows that, up. That okay. was the that was the only way I could make it make a little bit more sense on the second viewing. Was okay. Well, maybe she has some sort of special, inst- but even she didn't figure it out. You know, it was ML Hamilton or whatever that did. So, sorry. What number are we up to now? Number three. Number three. Um, did Superman rebuild the city at the end of Metropolis? Um like I I we kinda of were like Metropolis is gone. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Everything is destroyed. The Daily Planet has collapsed, all of it at the end he just rides his bicycle and gets a job at the planet <laughs> so um
2: yeah i wonder how, what the time
0: so i was kind of waiting for like okay we're going to show superman rebuilding the city like it, he often does in the comics you know it's like he you've to have
1: a huge gap though i mean you think about like again the comparison to 911 yeah we um, over 10 years and and the world new world trade center's just now being finished or whatever yeah, exactly I have a
2: Question: i i wonder what the time gap is between those two scenes where we first see Mild Banner Clark enter the scene and what we saw right before that, which was total destruction. Fifty years. (laughs) let's, Let's guess five. I'd say five years between those two things.
0: All right. What number are we up to? Two? Number two. Okay, number two. I don't know exactly how to phrase this, but a real downside for me was making the prequel comic that was online a prerequisite to seeing the movie because there's parts of it that didn't make sense unless you read the prequel comic.
2: I didn't get that. Can you explain further?
0: Yeah, when when he goes to that ship and they say that the ship has been underground for like hundreds of thousands of years or something like that. Yeah. And when you go inside that ship, I I, I kind of just was like, how did that ship get there? Like, <laughs> I understand?
2: I, 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 oh, that it was just a scout ship. So they right?
0: Uh, it was a it was a scout ship, and I did understand. And they tell that more in the prequel comic, which I found out after the fact. But in the ship, you see. That one of the pods is open, and uh, you actually find out in the prequel comic that that's Supergirl. Um, so some, uh, somewhere on the planet, um, in all this midst of all this uh, world being taken over, Supergirl was doing nothing or something <laughs> going on, but. Interesting. At, at first, in seeing that ship, I was like, "Who's?" Because that was like really focused on. And in the second viewing, after I'd read that prequel comic, I noticed how much they really focused on that open ship part, the open uh, capsule, and uh, it was like, "Whoa, that's intended for us to remember that for later on." But you're not going to know it this film, you know? It's like they never deal with that. Great again. point. <laughs> so. I wow.
2: I actually have another question about that scouting ship. So I'm fine with the fact that the scouting ship landed on Earth thousands and thousands of years ago and they're just finding it but when uh jor-el is going around and explaining to kal-el who he is and all that stuff uh he unveils the superman costume in the scouting ship yes yeah so so, that come from
0: so i'm kind of wondering if the the ship doesn't have some kind of thing like on star trek the next generation where it can replicate things or i I don't know how that happened exactly
2: i'm willing to just suspend disbelief for that but that that was that's probably the biggest plot hole i have with the whole movie
0: yeah and then my my number one is number one my number one is the biggest and best criticism that i've heard of this movie it's not original to me but the biggest criticism this film is earth would have been better off if kal-el had died on krypton (laughs) yes yeah. oh. <laughs> i mean and and you you watch the movie and especially the second time when i saw it i was like that's absolutely right because everything that happens to the earth that's bad in this film yeah is but we have so, all kind
2: of future problems earth is going to have that superman will be able to help
0: well and and hopefully that's the case but in this film uh you know half the world is destroyed simply because kal-el is there <laughs> what
2: if second movie supergirl is the villain
0: uh, okay.
2: Um, um, no Supergirl. No Supergirl.
1: Just no let it go. Girl? Okay. Yeah,
0: I'm. I'm not sure. I. I want to see it either. We. We again. It depends on who's writing it and what they're gonna do with it. Um. But yeah. So the, to me, that was like the the number one criticism of the film was like, yeah. They, in this world, the world is actually worse off because it has Superman. Zod would have never come. They never would have had all these other things go wrong. The city of Metropolis would still be standing. <laughs> so, That's probably true.
2: Uh, uh, I know that you probably have a list of pros, Mm -hmm. so while you count up how many you have, I just want to say I loved how they made this movie an alien invasion movie because I think it's often forgotten that Superman is an alien. He looks human, he helps humans, so we just kind of think of him as a superpowered human, but he's not. And so with this, we actually had the alien ship coming in, taking over our, our frequencies, giving us a message, and it's scary. You can feel the alien invasion scariness, and so... I really like that aspect of this movie,
1: Ben. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd agree that at the beginning of Zod's Invasion is uh, interesting and well done where he hijacks yeah. the broadcast. Uh, but again, that part of the movie really lost me. I liked it. And, uh,
0: and the most unbelievable part of it, I've heard someone say, is that everyone in the movie uses a Windows phone.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, but the Windows Phone is great,
0: and I've I've never seen a person in real life use one yet. So, <laughs>
1: have, oh, you have so one? I do have one, Ben yeah. De
0: Bono. One cool. All right, so maybe they're taking over as we speak. So, I recommend. It. All
2: right, Rick, how many do you have for pros? I
0: I'm not sure I can do a number on it. I'm sorry because I just kind of have some notes laid out of things All right. I liked. So let's start at six. <laughs> okay, how far we get?
2: No, let's start at eight again because we. Did like okay, it. Yeah. number eight.
0: <laughs> Okay. Um, so you have to skip
1: some numbers.
0: Yeah, if you guys want to add some in, you can too. Um, I I kind of like that they stuck with the Christ-like imagery in this one. A lot
2: of Christ-like imagery. A,
0: a lot of it, but that's kind of been one of the the interesting points of a lot of characters throughout literature throughout time is is some of these things that were there. Um, I, I liked, you know, I liked the symbolism of him going to a priest. And, of course, I thought of you, but I'm not sure if that was a Catholic church or not, but he had a collar, you know. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I was trying to figure out myself. There was no – it was it was a standard cross, not a crucifix. Yeah, the,
0: so it probably oh, was more of a mainline Protestant type thing. Yes. Um, But uh, it was interesting, you I, know.
1: I'd like to think that, you know, Superman's probably a good
0: Catholic, of course, because he's a guy. <laughs> of course. And I, I thought they were very characteristic. Careful in the film to not, you know, a lot of sci-fi wants to immediately rule out God, you know, and just be like, "Oh, there's not a God." Star Trek constantly is, you know, it's it's very much an atheistic show, you know, through and through. I think, uh in, in spite of some of the discussion on your last episode, it's really pretty pretty much a godless show. I think, although there's a few episodes that are pretty fun, but uh, but I like how they kind of did that. Even when when he asked the question to his father did God do this to me? And I and I expected, you know, Costner to give an answer, and he doesn't. He kind of leaves it ambiguous. So I like that somewhere in the midst of this story, it's, you know, the the opposite of what we do in Christian films. <laughs> it's like yes. we, we make it explicit. God's right here. He's doing this, and you need to get saved right now. Um, in this one, it's sort of like God is a character in this film, but he's in the background, you know, and it's it's like it's almost – I I would never compare this probably any other time to like Tolkien's writings, but there's there's a sense in which when Tolkien writes you don't see this explicit God that's being written down about but there is this always this sense of God um in the midst that is weaving and doing things and I, I almost sense that sort of in this in this film, to be honest, that that there's some sort of respect for a higher power that is not forgotten the people of Earth, you know, in all this. Yeah,
2: I think you're right, because the studio even has been marketing, and I actually learned about this from uh, Ben, so Ben, you maybe want to talk more about this, but the studio's been marketing
1: to churches. Yeah, they were, they they teamed up with some theologian, I, I don't remember who he was or what university he's attached to, but he prepared sermon notes based on on the movie and sent them out to different Warner Brothers who sending them out to different churches and encouraging pastors to preach the sermon, Jesus, the original superhero. Yeah, and I
2: believe they were given clips from the movie, the show, as illustrations to their congregation. And yeah, so they were really trying to hit with this movie that uh, Christian demographic.
1: But of course, Jesus was not the original superhero. Right. Greek mythology you got Hercules way before Plus, that. Think of all the awesome Old Testament characters, exactly. I,
0: and I actually hate that characterization of Jesus too, because I'm like, he wasn't a superhero. He was one of us. You know, we we kind right. of, to me, that's heresy because to, to say, uh, I mean, he he has to be fully man as well as fully God, and uh, it's it's it wasn't like he was flying around like Kal-El was, you know, and using his heat vision and doing all
1: that. Uh, Saturday afternoon this week, I got nothing for tomorrow. <laughs> I read this news story and, you know, desperately searching Google for yeah. the Jesus, the original superhero sermon notes. So what was,
2: uh, to me, the biggest imagery, well, there are two big ones that stick out as I think about it. Uh, there was a scene where Jesus was talking to the pastor and behind him was a stained glass window where you see Uh, uh, image of jesus right over clark's shoulder and i think it's he's in the garden of gethsemane praying that that so that sticks out and then also there was a scene where he kind of he's in space he uh, i think it's when right after lois is in the escape pod after she's been kind of imprisoned and now uh clark just punches a hole through the ship and he's going to go escape into space back and rescue lois who's falling through the atmosphere he puts his arms out all cross-like and flies Uh... away so it was kind of like I don't know if that motion was necessarily, like, <laughs> important for you to take off, but I like it. Good job, Messiah. Yeah, yeah exactly. What it's, about you, Rick? What uh, What scene sticks out when it, when it comes to they're really tying Jesus to Superman in this movie? Those,
0: those exact ones you mentioned were what really made me think of that. But um, another one is just his – again, this isn't the top ten. Most of mine are just thinking about the spirituality and stuff, but – um, his meekness, um, we, we think of the word meek in scripture when Jesus says, blessed are the meek. We often think that means weak and it doesn't. A better definition of that is, is controlled power. And, uh, we, we see such meekness and there, there's a scene, um, I, I love, absolutely love the scene when he is, um, I, I guess he's a waiter at a truck stop or something at one point and that that real obnoxious trucker's there and he calls him names and he and he hits him with something you know like as 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 he walks away from this fight you know again a, a great yep. example of controlled power as he walks away he gets hit by something and i can see i don't know what exactly i'm seeing other than almost like pain on on Cavill's face and it's not a physical pain but it's this when i watched it again yesterday it almost brought tears to my eyes (laughs) seeing that like i just i just feel like he's such a good actor he can do a lot without words um there was just something in the way he looked when the guy hit him with the can or whatever it was he threw at him it was almost like this this pained look on his face obviously it didn't hurt him physically but there was a side of i'm walking away for your own good and you're you're taunting me you know <laughs> like like that, that was
2: awesome it, it yeah. was awesome but to be fair he did destroy the
1: truck right after
0: and, afterwards. and <laughs> that's that's true he did do that so up to that point
1: <laughs> maybe along those same lines maybe we could talk about uh the ending just for a minute when he, yeah. he kills zod because that to me was one of the most powerful moments in mm-hmm. the film because he gets put in an impossible situation where he either has to kill Zod or let these innocent people die. Uh, but his reaction after he snaps Zod's neck was just incredible. And in our review, uh, I made mention of the fact that you contrast that to the callous, flippant way that killing people is portrayed in a movie like Iron Man 3.
2: Yeah, where Tony is shooting yeah. uh, shooting people, around. all the henchmen die. He, it, it becomes a joke almost.
1: Yeah, which that whole dynamic... Um, bothered me enough that it prompted our "Death by Superheroes" episode, yeah, and also some of our discussion in in the "Who Would Jesus Kill?" episodes that we did on your show, Rick, yeah. Uh, and it, it struck me as such a huge difference that even the death of this horrible evil guy who needed to, you know, needed to be stopped. It's treated seriously, and the ethic of life is shown to be very valuable, and that even in having to take a life, it's shown as a painful experience
0: yeah, yeah and i I thought that same thing. I actually thought of our discussion Ben, whenever we were talking about that, and you know like what a when is the death penalty reserved for someone, and is it right? is it wrong and and um i I actually wish he hadn't killed zod, and i I'm not sure it was quite the. Impossible situation. It might have been. I couldn't have seen it, but as Mark Wade pointed out, he, he said, but Superman is about – overcoming the impossible you know is whatever that means plus you you kind of rule out zod ever coming back that's that's one of my main things in movies about killing villains is it's sort of like well i guess we'll never see them again you know and and nolan tends to do that with his villains except for the joker and then ironically the actor that played him died but um maybe michael shannon's
1: grateful he died then yeah
0: yeah maybe so (laughs) But I I remember thinking that same thing. I'm almost kind of glad they did it after the second viewing and watching it again, Uh, simply for that thing that that you mentioned. His reaction to having to kill Zod, um, there was so much grief in that i mean it was like again i feel like he does so much without words in this film and i thought about you know how many of us most of us god willing will never have to kill a person or know what kind of duress that that puts on a person and again we have him who you know he's just been a normal person as much as he could be up to this point in his life he's a young man um you know he's he's around my age in this film and and uh I I was trying to think like put myself in his shoes, even though he seems to be this, this terrible monster who wants to destroy um it's it's like the the weight of him having to take a life was you know, I, I hope that they'll follow that up in the other movies because Initially in the Superman comics Superman did kill the bad guys but somewhere along the way he decided he had to find a better way you know than doing that um so it's it, it it's very interesting to at least think about and what that means and how serious we should take life even life the life of killers you know and and is there a way to actually um bring them back to their humanity in some way so yeah
2: yeah you did just remind me of another tie-in to Jesus. Uh, we find out in this film that Clark is 33 years old, which oh, is the age
1: that Jesus died at.
0: Very true, very true.
1: Well, and another one, a little hypostatic union action when uh, jor is talking to him in the ship, and he's like, well, am I of I Krypton or of Earth? You are of both. Fully man, fully God, fully man, fully Kryptonian.
0: That's right. I am both. So um, can we talk about Zod a little bit too here as as a character? Um, To me, he is – I'm going to use sort of a philosophical type term. I don't know if it's philosophical or not, but he was sort of a master signifier to me um, of patriotism lived out to its extreme. Um, And, and what I, what I mean by that is we look at a master signifier. There's a lot of things that we do in our culture that we may say is our justification for something, but if we truly lived it out to its fullness all the way, um, you would see something very unappealing, you know? And, uh, to me, Zod is the embodiment of that, of absolute patriotism, unquestioned, lived out to the very nth degree. Um, and, and what I mean by that is the, the line he says is something like, I exist only to protect Krypton. And he talks about the violence I do to others is for the good of my people. And I want to almost capitalize that, my people. Uh, he can't be, he can't be convinced that the needs of others are more important than his own people. And, um, it, it's very interesting, you know, when I, when I think about Zod in that light because, um, to me, that, you know, patriotism can be a good thing if it means good citizenship and, and, you know, being proud of the place you live and things like that. But when it's lived out to that extreme, to the exclusion of other people, it's, it's sinful. You know, it's absolutely sinful. And right. so I, I looked at Zod like, He was a master signifier of this out-of-control patriotism to the point of it's my people and nobody else. We are the chosen ones. Everybody else can go to hell. And um, it it really truly was like that. And the most interesting thing was David Goyer, who wrote this, um, wrote like a very short story. I, I did I think podcast number three of Voices in My Head was about this. He wrote a short story in Action Comics that was about this very thing when Superman renounces his American citizenship. Because anything he tries to do in another country, the the American government comes in and says, "You can't do that. That's going to be seen as a, an act of us." You know, with you doing that, and and it's and it's sort of he basically says in that comic. The world is too big. Uh, truth, justice, and the American way is not big enough anymore. And uh, I need to be there. I need to be there to bring compassion and solidarity to everyone in this world. And it's almost this embodiment to me of the kingdom of God. You know, the idea that the kingdom of God doesn't have a border. The, in in the eyes of God, countries don't exist. You know, it's like it, it, the, the people of the world are, are all called and... and you know, as we see in Scripture, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come. And I, so, I, I feel like this embodiment of Zod is something that we can very easily fall into if we're not careful. And I so admired Goyer for kind of going there, even in Action Nine Hundred, when people were like, you know, throwing out their kids' toys and burning comics and everything else. You anti-American, whatever. And I loved how in this film, Superman says to the U.S. government, it says basically you can't control me but that doesn't mean i'm your enemy you know at the same time it's like i'm i'm here with you still and and while you may not be able to control me that doesn't mean i'm your enemy or you know so i don't know if if that makes sense or what you guys are thinking about that but i really love that part of the film because again that got back to me to the christ-like thing because you know the oldest confession of faith we have is Jesus is Lord, which was an exact opposite of Caesar is Lord. you know for Jesus to make that statement meant Jesus is President, Jesus is prime minister jesus is is every leadership position there is um so for Superman in that film again comes back to that Christ imagery you know um i i'm I can't be. I am not yours, you know, basically to own and I'm not your puppet, but that doesn't mean I'm your enemy either. So
2: Yeah, I definitely like yeah, that, that whole scene where he was you know in the in, in the interrogation room. Man, there were so many good things about it. You know, to be honest, as we've been talking through this, and Rick, your analysis is uh really raising it back up in my mind. I, I might be back at a four point five. Oh, my oh speaking of analysis, I just want to quick give a shout out to Mike Potee of the SciFi dot com. He wrote an awesome Two part analysis of this film, uh, so you can go check that out on our website, thesidebychristian dot com. Thanks,
0: Mike. I love Mike. Thanks for thanks for everything, Mike. You always encourage me to emails or whatever. So,
2: um, all right, Rick. No, actually, let me let me jump in and I'll, I'll give a pro that I had, and then Rick, I want to come back to your list. So, I liked a lot the non linear storytelling. Yes. because when it first went, for, oh, I loved Krypton. I loved all of, of what happened in those scenes, and I kind of got a star wars vibe from krypton kind of the cool spacey uh you know alien planet so i love that then uh we see the shuttle going towards earth and you think we're going to go into a bunch of smallville scenes and when they cut to superman or clark as an adult i'm like oh my gosh they cut out that whole part which i didn't quite mind because we've seen that before we've seen little superman being raised by jonathan and martha and And so I didn't mind that they skipped it. But then inserting the flashbacks throughout the movie worked so well in this movie, specifically my favorite by far, probably one of my favorite scenes in the entire movie, maybe the best scene. We have the tornado scene. Yes. And we have Kevin Costner as Jonathan Kent. He's injured. He he, we've already learned that he doesn't want Clark to reveal his powers yet because the world's not ready is what he says.
1: Yeah. Uh,
2: Clark could so easily go and save his father from this tornado. But Jonathan sacrifices himself, just puts his hand up to stop his son and lets himself get swept away in the tornado because he really feels like he's protecting Clark's well-being.
1: Yeah, what I liked about that scene is that at the beginning of it, he and Clark are arguing in the car, mm-hmm. and you can kind of tell where it's going to go. Yeah, and so I'm thinking, okay, we're gonna get the cliched scene, you know, where he's not a he's not there to save his dad, and then he'll always think, if only I could have been yeah. there, I could have saved my dad. And then that's not what they gave us at all.
0: Yeah, uh,
1: it was, and and what they gave us instead was much more powerful. Mm-hmm. It wasn't cliched, and it did a lot for the character.
2: Yeah, he could have saved his dad, yes. but his dad didn't want to be saved. His dad was, look, man, the sacrifice there for the father-son, oh, oh, man, uh, this is, I don't know, it probably is my favorite scene in the whole movie.
0: And you can, I, I'd say you should say thank you to Mark Wade again for the non-linear storytelling, because he's very much like that when he retells the super, Superman origin in Birthright, um, which I think was a 12-issue miniseries, and, and, uh but, yeah, that scene with, uh, with the father dying, uh, it's it's almost like the Spider Man scene where he you know he tells you're not my real father you know, <laughs> yeah. And then I liked how you know even though Clark said that and his last words were kind of harsh to him, um, by his not running in, it was as if he was. Showing his father, too, that he did love him and trusted him as his father, you know, and and how hard that was. Again, I, I, my favorite moment in the movie is when Cavill's not saying anything. It's the expression on his face. It's the way that you can just see. And I, I think, man, this may be the best actor we've ever had cast as a superhero you know
2: yeah I, I, was, I was gonna ask you so there's been a lot of different actors who've played superman earlier you mentioned george reeve from the tv show which i i should say i uh along with lois and clark i did watch that on nick at night when i was a kid uh probably not as much but who do you think is the best actor to play superman rick
0: well of course george reeves because there's nothing better than superman with the beer belly but right. uh, no i'm kidding <laughs> uh i I, I've yeah, got to say Cavill completely. I, I think he's the best. The, the second best, I'm, I'm probably going to say Christopher Reeve without the S. But, um, yeah, I, I definitely think Cavill is the best one we've had so far. Although, I don't know if you can count this, but there have been some pretty good um, voice actors in uh, in some of the cartoon versions that DC has been putting out lately in their direct-to-video lines. And uh, some, some of them have, have done a really – very good job, you know, again, what you can do, uh, opposite of what I'm saying about Henry Cavill, what you can do with your voice, you know, is a pretty amazing thing, too, so.
2: I agree. Henry Cavill, then Christopher Reeve, and then Dean Kane. Okay, Ben, how about you?
1: (laughs) Oh, I mean, Henry Cavill, easily. Uh, You know, I I would give Mike a shout-out, too, for his article, but the one thing I put up in a comment to his article uh, on the site was he had made a comment that, well, this doesn't you know of course this doesn't dethrone christopher reeve and uh, i almost take exception to that because i don't quite see why christopher reeve should be enthroned as as the ultimate superman i mean yeah the movies were groundbreaking but as we talked about the beginning they have a lot of flaws and to me this was a much better portrayal yeah
0: and i'd say you know probably my one of my other ones getting back to the voice actor thing is somebody that i think did it for the first time really well was bud colger who did the voice acting on the original superman radio show cuz he was the first one that kind of made Clark talk like this. And then when he changed to super, he was Superman, you know, it was like he, he he threw his voice, which it kind of seems silly now when you think about it, but that's kind of a good acting thing. If you have only the theater of the mind to work with and you're trying to differentiate between a character, I think that's kind of an inventive way too. So maybe, maybe he's my second favorite actor for Superman. I don't know.
2: All right. Rick, we'll let you take you back to the
0: pro list. Okay. Um, well, mine are, are all you know. I, I was just going to talk about the good acting. Um, I loved the definition of faith because it actually was kind of the definition of faith uh, when the priest tells him sometimes you got to take a leap of faith first and trust will come later. Um, the the definition of faith actually is I've, I've told people many times and when I've taught at church and we've gone into word studies of faith, um, faith is is not trust. Uh, faith is actually um, putting action, um, in, in the thing you say you trust in. So the, the definition of faith, I guess I would say is you can have, you can say you have faith that a chair is going to hold you up if you sit on it, but it's not faith until you sit on it. Like you actually have to put action to it. And, uh, so I, I, really liked that he said that the priest gave that advice to Clark saying, take the leap of faith first and the trust will come later, you know? So that was one of the, the things I liked about the film.
1: Uh, yeah, I agree. In fact, the only thing I didn't like about the priest scene was when he, you know, Clark kind of lays out his predicament, and then the priest says, "What does your gut tell you?" It's like, no, no, yeah. that's horrible advice. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's exactly right. It's like that's probably not the best thing, but <laughs> yeah. And I uh, right. four. I uh, I also I, I just, also, I just, just choosing that I number. just made up that number. four look out golf ball coming all right um i I loved absolutely loved the part um when kevin costner is telling his son um you know when he when he asked can i can i just still pretend like i'm your son you saw that in the trailer and everything that kind of made me teary you know he kind of goes oh you are my son and uh, he says but you also have another father who gave you another name you know and and he has this purpose for you and it was almost like i'm listening to like maybe the way that i'm going to tell my son one day about god when he's old enough to understand i am your father but you have another father who gave you a different name and there is something so much bigger that he has for you than i could ever hope to give you know um i and i i don't know maybe that's just my sappy sentimentalism but i really thought that was a neat way to say it
2: yeah great point Number three,
0: um, I loved uh, a very short scene, but the lady that played uh, Jor El's wife Kara, um, when they're sending off Kal El, and uh, she says, "Make a better world than we did, Cal." I, I think I think that's her line, or make a better world than ours, Cal. And uh, just the idea that she's sending him off again. It's it's this you know this idea that I, I, I love that. Um, as people of faith, we can be so irresponsible with the place we live in. And I feel almost like that was sort of a warning to just because, you know, maybe Christians should look at this and say, just because you're a person of faith, that doesn't mean you can destroy your environment all because well God will redeem it someday. So let's just you know like Ben and I talked about on the on our podcast the other day of uh, you know just cut down all the rainforest. Who cares? You know God's gonna redeem the planet one day anyhow. Yeah, so I really liked when she kind of said that line: make a better world than ours, Cal. Like almost like do better than we did. We really messed this up. You know I I don't.
1: That's a lesson that Matt Anderson and Ryan Stralo could really take to heart, considering the state of the bathroom here at Ryan Stralo Studios. What do you mean? We're cleaning it.
2: We're in the, we're in the middle of just, cleaning just, out the apartment. You
1: know. Oh, I'm a Christian, so I can do whatever I want with my living environment. It's, yeah. Come on.
2: We're, we're in the middle of cleaning the entire apartment as we get right ready for the big move.
1: Yeah, Ryan Stralo's been cleaning the bathroom for a week, and it still looks horribly no. disgusting what? in the tub. It's better. <laughs> anyway. A little follow up there for last week, last week's episode
0: number two. (laughs) Uh, Well, let's see. What could I say is number two? (laughs) I'm running out of stuff. Uh, Let's get number one if you if you only have one left. Well, I think I can probably come up with now. Just in case, this is this is two possibly one. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I love that we didn't have to really sit through another origin story. I know we already kind of talked about that, but everybody kind of knows the origin story. Um, but I, I kind of like, again, we're getting back into almost the, this Christ story again. Um, while we sort of got an origin story, um, you know, one of the things about the way that, you know, in, in the theological narratives of the gospels, we don't have, we don't have really an origin story. I mean, we kind of do, but some of them just start right off. Here we go. We're taking off, <laughs> you know, here's look at Mark. It's so like fast moving um and it seems like in a lot of movies today we we just pick apart the origin to death and we have to almost kill it by giving it life if that if that makes any sense and yeah. um and there's a sense in which in this one you know just like in we don't really know what happened in that in between period with Christ i don't know that it's essential for us to know everything i i think it's good for our imagination to be able to take some room and think about some things. I, I, I went home thinking about a lot that was not, like, spoon-fed to me in this film. And so to me, that's a really a very positive thing. I wish films would do that more and, and give us, as viewers, more room to think about the plot and to think and, and use our imagination about things. So I don't know if you guys agree with that or not.
1: Completely agree. Yes, we do.
2: Hey, before you give your number one, I want to add in, I like the cast. Not just the main cast, but even the additional cast. For example, Hilo from Battlestar Galactica. We had, uh, what was, uh, in Dollhouse, what was the helper's name? Um,
1: you know what I'm talking about? Uh, no.
2: Uh, Echo is like Handler, basically. Oh, yeah. He was the main it, yeah, yeah. general. Um, let's see. We had, oh, uh, another guy from Battlestar Galactica. Um, shoot. What do you know
1: I'm talking about? The guy? uh No. Uh, there was the colonel guy who was flying the plane. It was from Oz. Who was the, what's the character's name that ends which up... Which was really distracting. Because if you know anything about that show, which I do not recommend watching, you see way too much of every cast member. So, I don't get it. Uh, nope, that's okay. Well, uh, so, It takes place in the prison. So
2: I think that... Things happen in the prison. I think the additional casting, even the small minor roles...
0: Sometimes without clothes ...was, was
2: pretty good. Uh, Rick, did you have any, like... You saw some actors that you kind of liked that didn't have a big role, but it was kind of cool that they were in the movie.
0: Yeah, I love that I got to see Toby from West Wing. Uh, West Wing Wing is probably my favorite show ever uh, as far as TV shows go and um, that I can think of off the top of my head. But I I love to see the guy. I can't remember his – I think Richard Schiff is his name, but I loved seeing Toby Ziegler (laughs) as one of his doctors on there.
1: But, yeah, I thought
0: I thought the casting was very good, and uh, I, I don't, I don't know that I always think the casting is good in Zack Snyder's films, so I was a little worried about that, and I was a little worried. Uh, th- this is going to sound maybe racist, but that we had Perry Black instead of Perry White, and um, I, I ended yeah, up.
2: What racist?
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> that was completely <laughs> racist. Well, let me wow. let me clarify that though. I loved it. I, I yeah. loved what he did and I think Lawrence Fishburne's a great actor. And I'm and I'm so all so for he's that. He's
1: done that with an established character this year, because he, he plays Jack Crawford on the T V show Hannibal, oh. who has been a white character
0: up until and now. I, and I think that's fine. And the the reason I said it the other way that I did is sometimes we'll change things only for the purpose of making them PC and right. I think I think this was a case where they were just doing you know whatever whoever the best man for the job was and I, I at least I think that's what it was because I thought he did a fantastic job I love the part where Lawrence Fishburne. Uh, wouldn't leave uh, Jenny Olsen. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that, but that was supposed to be the Jimmy Olsen character who was trapped. She kept being called Jenny. If you look yeah. on IMDB, she's Jenny Olsen um, instead of Jimmy Olsen. But, um, so they changed those two characters, but I love that scene where she... It reminded me so much of like 9-11 and and the way he was not going to leave her. like Knowing he was going to meet his own death, he could have run, but he didn't. I thought that was just... Again, amazing. We're almost getting this agape type, you know, feel to this film of people that are are doing something more than what most of us probably would do. So, yeah,
1: that, that was a great scene.
2: All right, update. I was gonna say earlier, good news. I found out which Battlestar Galactica guy, guy I was forgetting. It is Felix Gaeta. Oh yeah. Gaeta was yeah, in this yeah. movie. Yep.
0: Gaeta, yeah, and and uh, Mr. Gaeta, I believe, also was in Smallville as well. So.
2: Wow, I you know Smallville is a show I've uh seen a few episodes of, but I really By want By a to, few, do you
1: mean one?
0: No,
2: I've yeah. seen like ten. I really want it to be on Netflix so I can watch that. That that would be like if it was on Netflix it'd be my number one series I'd skip to. It's, yeah,
1: but so so long.
2: Ten season. ten years of that no, show. Uh, like
1: twenty each.
0: It really is not – yeah, I've – it's not worth going back to, I don't think. <laughs> Some of them are okay, but – okay, I, I think I have my number one if you guys want it, and then I'm, I'm going to have to go soon because i got a family to get to. Oh, no, so, um,
2: We only have about 30 or 40 more minutes of things we want to talk about, so we're almost <laughs> – All right, Nan, number one before we get to the main part of the conversation.
0: Okay, Um <laughs> 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 all right uh, not my number one i guess would be um i've heard complaints that this was too dark of a movie for superman i disagree um I, I i felt like the tone was just right for who this character is i think it enabled us to see the weightiness um and the burden of to use a spider-man phrase power with responsibility and uh i i think you know, I heard an interview with Henry Cavill, and he said, you know, in some ways, the character of Superman is very much like being an actor. There's a lot of loneliness in it. You're you're always going to be at places with people you don't know. Um, sometimes they're nice. Sometimes they're not. They don't really know you. Um, he said the, the life of an actor, you know, it seems very glamorous, but it can be very, very lonely, he said. And uh, he said that was one thing that he really – Tried to put into Superman was he's he's not a dark character, um, but there is a certain amount of loneliness to what he has to do. And I I think again if we're going to get back to the comparison with Christ, um, I think they made a pretty good case for the weightiness of the burden that was on Christ's shoulders as a man, um, because Christ, um, even though you know he is one with the Father, he he went away many times. To as it says in some translations, to lonely places, um, to pray and be with his father. Um, you you are in a sense alone um, at the end of your life. One of my favorite new songwriters, Jason Isbell, uh, has a line in one of his songs about a person dying of cancer, and the song is called Elephant. And, uh, he says, I believe the line is, one thing that is clear to me, no one dies with dignity. And, uh, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing when you think about Christ and, again, the undignified path that he chose to tread, uh, for us and the weightiness that was on him. And sometimes as Christians, we just want to say, oh, joy, joy, joy all the time. Everything's happy, even, you know, and, and like, and not deal with the actual reality of life. And I I felt like that was such a plus in this film. I I didn't feel like it was dark like the Dark Knight movies were. I felt like there was – I don't feel like it was a joyless film like I've heard a lot of reviewers say. I I really felt like there was a lot of joy in it as well, and I felt like um, he did take a lot of joy from this earth, from its people, but he did find there was a real weightiness of this burden. And I think Cavill did a great job of showing that burden. Totally agree. Wow. Wow
2: rick i'm glad we had you on the show you had some awesome thoughts on this and you took it even further than i did so
1: (laughs) yeah why are you pointing at me i was just gonna (laughs) do
2: you to add your last thoughts before we close the segment
1: last thoughts uh enjoyed the movie wish we could have toned down some of the action scenes a little bit because uh action scenes are often the most boring part of a movie and Mm -hmm. they certainly were in this case but besides that Loved everything else.
2: There were some additional things we didn't cover in this episode that we did cover in our video (laughs) review. We're at
1: like two hours. We don't need to throw in more. I'm going to
2: throw in at the end. Oh, my gosh. It was like seven additional minutes of our video review. So listen to that. It's like
1: old school sci-fi Christian where we go for three hours. Yeah. So nothing wrong with that.
2: Rick, again, plug where people can find you.
0: All right. I, I just want to say one last thing too. Is I'm just glad we didn't get a movie where Superman was fighting real estate again uh, because that was basically the other films we got with Christopher Reeves. Lex Luthor always trying to get real estate. So That's true. Uh, that was good. But, okay, you can find me at uh, rickleyjames.com or voicesinmyheadpodcast.com and um, just uh, – those two places, if you go there, you'll you'll find uh, everything you want. I try to put out a podcast every week on Voices in My Head. Uh, this one is going to be airing on my podcast as well this week. Nice. So, uh,
2: I have the album Basement Psalms. If somebody wants to take my advice and go buy that, which I endorse, go and do that, where could they buy it?
0: Uh, they can also get that through my website. You can go to cdbaby.com. You can also go to rickleyjames.bandcamp.com. Uh, Basement Psalms Live is getting some some really good reviews. It's not getting tons of sales, so I, I really would appreciate if you guys were able to buy it. Um, I'm heading to Indianapolis to play a fairly big show at the Indianapolis Convention Center this week, so I'm hoping to get the word out about Basement Psalms Live more uh, this week. So.
2: All right, Ben, where can people write us and tell us things? Email.
0: Oh,
1: feedback at the sci-fi dot com.
2: And they can call us at
1: 612 sfc
2: Let us know all of your thoughts on Superman or anything uh, we like to hear from you. Thank sir, you. our
1: final moments in Brian Straylo studios right here. Oh, this is the last episode ever in we'll, this we'll apartment. We'll talk to you in bam (laughs) bam
0: studios ben and
2: matt studios coming soon so that's all from here forever i'm Matt anderson i'm ben dibono
0: i'm rick lee james
2: and we are the sci-fi christians
0: and the the voices in my head (laughs) podcast
2: Bye. signing off forever from this studio
1: goodbye faithful studio did i just i know we were having
0: a discussion about what the name was gonna be i think i just solved it
2: bam studios (laughs) sorry
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) <laughs> Rest in peace, Ryan Stralo Studios. Never forget.
1: No, never. Ryan Stralo actually came up with our name, as you'll be able to hear when you listen to the Injustice episode. Yeah, but, which
2: was the last episode, episode one sixty
1: five. Yes. So he uh, he suggested Bam Studios, Ben and Matt, but also a good comic book sound effect.
2: Absolutely. So, yeah. all right, Rick, signing off. Goodbye.
0: I can't tell you how much I love hanging out and talking with those guys. And we've never even met in person, but we're hoping next year to, uh, to change that. We are planning a trip to C2E2 next March in Chicago, which is one of the biggest comic book conventions in the country. It's the Comics it's Chicago Comic and Entertainment Expo. So maybe we should do some sort of a Sci-Fi Christian Voices in My Head podcast meetup at that event. That would be pretty cool. Maybe we could all uh, meet for coffee someplace or have lunch. Maybe all the listeners uh, of Voices in My Head and the Sci-Fi Christian could come together and, and have kind of a little... Uh, get together maybe even record a live show so anyway that's something we're thinking about talking about right now hope you enjoyed this discussion of the man of steel and I hope that you have a terrific summer in the words of Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan be excellent to each other Blessing. you've been listening to Voices in My Head the official podcast of Rick Lee James